You're listening to the Illustration Hour podcast, an interview podcast where I talk to illustrators, art directors, and agents about the craft and business of illustration. My name is Julia Dufosse, and I'm an editorial and commercial illustrator based in Chicago. And I'm chatting with creatives within the world of illustration to learn about their process, the challenges they faced along the way, and how to succeed as an illustrator today. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Illustration Hour, the podcast about people who create for a living. I'm Julia Dufosse, an illustrator and your host. It's been a hard couple weeks for me, uh, just getting slammed by disgusting winter viruses, which I'm only now recovering from, as you might be able to tell from my voice. Um, You might have noticed that the podcast has switched from a weekly to a bi-weekly schedule which should help me keep the show more regular and to put more attention into the editing for each episode because I still do it all by myself. Um, I've got a great show planned for you today, but before I get into introducing my guest, I would like to share some important information about a very cool campaign called Turn Up. Turn Up is a campaign to encourage young voters to vote by the 26th of November, that's coming up next week, in the UK. The campaign is inviting illustrators to contribute an individual piece of work that will form part of a social campaign to get 18 to 24-year-olds to register to vote by November 26th. This is directly from the organizers to the campaign, which uh, include the good folks at Jelly London. Um, quote, it is important to remember that the power to vote isn't just about the power to affect transient politics. It's about having a voice that can be heard on all issues. Should you wish to focus on the environment, and especially this country's representative voice at the UN Climate Change Summit, COP26, in June next year, then please do so. Okay, end quote. And um, I just want to encourage you to submit an illustration to support the campaign an illustration that will then or might be used to promote the campaign. Uh, If you want to do so, please do so quickly before the end of November. I'm planning on submitting one next week. And include the hashtag TurnUp on social media and email your subscription to turnup at playverto.com. I will put all of that information as well as a link to the brief in the show notes for this episode, and I hope you will join me in contributing an illustration, GIF, or animation to this important campaign. Okay, so today I bring you an exciting interview with the illustrator, creative director, and designer, Daniel Ramirez Perez. You can find Daniel on Instagram at daniel.ramirez.perez or on his website, danielramirezperez.com. Over his very successful career, Daniel has worked on many different types of projects, ranging from branding to creative direction to illustrating gig posters. Daniel has a versatile yet unique style of illustration, merging vector shapes with a refined sense of color and a careful approach to composition. He has worked for clients like Condé Nast, Lufthansa, Tom York, Tyler 
The Creator, and L'Officiel Magazine. In this illuminating conversation, we talk about Daniel's path from studying fashion design in university to getting his first job with Vivian Westwood in London and snatching a coveted art director position at the prestigious ad agency MNC Saatchi in Berlin. We chat about how Daniel managed being an art director during the day and an illustrator at night, how he got his first few illustration gigs, and how he made his transition to being full-time freelance in 2014. You know, I really appreciated talking with Daniel because he has an overwhelmingly positive and optimistic attitude, and I think it's refreshing to remind yourself to keep working and to know that you will get there someday. And Daniel's journey is a really interesting tale that reminds us to work hard, be patient, and uh, determined to do what you love. So, without further ado, here is my conversation with the talented Daniel Ramirez Perez. Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being on. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, um, I'm really happy to have you. Um, I think your work is really, really cool. Um, and I love the colors that you use. Your portfolio is so colorful. I don't know. There's something about it that really draws you in. Um, so I'm really happy to talk to you today. Okay, glad to hear that. <laughs> um, so I, I want to get started by asking you a question that I always ask of the guests, uh, it, which is, how do you usually describe what you do if you're in a situation when you're not talking to creatives, so to people who are in the industry? Oh, um, well, I'm an illustrator and creative director. It means I'm doing images most of the time. I like to think of them as colorful and joyous, upbeat artworks that I do for different clients from advertising, publishing, music industry, and yeah, basically for clients all over the world. And my work might always look um, similar, like it has a certain style that you might recognize, mm -hmm. but the fields were reduced are very, very different. Sometimes you work on a poster, sometimes you work on a vinyl cover or an advertising campaign. Sometimes it ends up as an animated um, video clip on the internet. Yeah, um, I think um, I'm doing work that you can meet almost everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, would you say the bulk of your work is within the commercial kind of realm? or? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I think it's um, it's probably about 50% advertising. And the rest is a mix of work for brandings, editorial, music clients. And actually, I think I've done, I've designed a lot of different things. Like I designed shop designs. I designed an ice cream van. I think it's very versatile where the work goes. Yeah. And I think that comes in part from, from your background, and we're going to talk more about that. But um, I guess the first question I have for you about that is, did you go to school for illustration? No, I didn't. Actually, I started with illustration pretty late. I think I was mid-20 when I did my first illustration. The <laughs> thing is, I was always somehow interested in making images, I tried to draw and to paint as a teenager in high school, but um, 
Not always with very satisfying results. I try to be very good at it and I try to draw nature as it is. And probably I didn't really master that. So, yeah. Um, but um, to, that I would somehow go into the creative field was clear for me very early, I think. Mm -hmm. And I ended up going to design school when I was 18. And the school I went to offered fashion design and graphic design. And you could more or less explore both fields before settling for one. Okay. And uh, I tried graphic design there. And I found it incredibly boring. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It was. <laughs> um, it's so funny to think about this today because I love graphic design. I'm too excited about it sometimes yeah that's very obvious when you look at your <laughs> yeah. portfolio yeah but back then it was also a different time it was everything was black and white helvetica only using photos illustration was not very hip back then it was like mm -hmm. i don't know like 2006 2007 and i went to this graphic design course and i said okay this is just letters. This is very boring. I don't want to uh -huh, do this. Goodbye. Uh -huh. And I went to the fashion course, uh, which was hilariously fun, of course. We were just playing dress up for four years. Uh -huh. And so, yeah, I studied fashion and went to London afterwards uh, to work in the studio of William Westwood, um, which was uh, a great time. But also my last job in fashion <laughs> was uh -huh. the beginning and end of that career. Um, Can you tell me a little bit more about that uh, job? Did it, um, I mean, I guess, what was it that you liked and didn't like about working uh, in, a, in a fashion house like that? A mm -hmm. big fashion house. So I was somehow just the image of the whole fashion world i really liked it when i was younger i think i don't mm -hmm. like it so much anymore today um but um in retrospect i think i could have figured earlier that eventually illustration would be a good fit for me because i always loved working on my sketches drawing the stuff on paper and working with fabric collages in Photoshop. Yeah. Um, and this was something I was very good at. I think I was doing very well in fashion school and people encouraged me to go further into that direction. Um, but working at the labels, I realized that maybe I didn't like the work at the actual product as much as all the others. At some point, I realized, okay, everyone else seems to care, care much more about which buttons we put on that code now. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a super, um, super exciting job to work at such a fashion house and go to fashion weeks and be in this high pressure, super hysterical fashion environment. I'm uh -huh. really glad. Um, this was a part of my life. It was already exciting. But yeah, it wasn't really my job. Um, so I came back to Berlin after my fashion job. And I really had no idea what to do next. Uh -huh. I felt like I 
I knew some things. I had some qualities to work in some kind of a creative job, but I didn't really know what could come next. And basically within two or three weeks being back in Berlin, I started an internship in one of the big advertising agencies. It was at MNC Saatchi. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they're quite well known, yeah. Yeah, they're very well known. They're super uh, and they awesome they have world. offices in pretty much a, every major city in the world. Yeah. Right? I yeah. don't know how many offices they yeah. have, but they are everywhere. Yeah. And yeah. in Berlin they were also like they were growing a lot and they had a lot of people. Um, what was your internship for? Uh was it for for design or Well, the funny thing is that I really just met someone at a bar who oh. worked there. <laughs> <laughs> That's lucky. Yeah, we started talking and this person was like, yeah, I work uh, as PA for one of the most important creative directors here and I can hook you up. And uh -huh. usually nothing comes out of conversations like this. Right. Yeah. But this one time in my life, something did come out of a conversation like this and I got a call three days later for really? come into That's, an interview. Yeah. And The guy who hired me said something. I think it was probably more of a joke for him, but it sticked with me until today <laughs> that uh -huh. he said, oh, yeah, we work with people here who know everything about advertising, who spend so much money on, the, money on their studies. And if that doesn't work, we just might try someone who has no idea about it, <laughs> like you. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, that's what happened. I had absolutely no idea about it. I completely faked my way into this job. Uh -huh. I remember Googling the most basic things on my first weeks at the job. I mean, I it was an internship. It was not a high risk for the agency to take me. I was just like an right. art direction slash design intern. Um, but I think it went um, really well. I became art director straight after my internship. And I did, I mean, I did this whole 368 ad agency hustle, writing concepts for campaigns, film scripts, um, just advertising, you know? Yeah, and, do you, and, and do you do design work when you're doing that or do you? Because uh, to me, there there seems to be like there's the concepting part and then maybe I, I, I'm not sure how it works like in an ad agency. Mm -hmm. I started to do design work there, uh -huh. but still with the feeling of not really being a real designer. I see. There were designers at the agency who studied this and who were really good. And I just started doing this and I wanted to do as much of it as possible. Um, but yeah, for a very long time, I felt like I'm not really a designer. I don't really know what I'm doing. And I think it became very late in my career that at some point that I thought, okay, no, I'm a legit designer now. <laughs> no one can ever take this away again. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, what was most important probably that around this time i got aware of illustrators for the first time because you were because working we with would, some yeah yeah we would book illustrators they would come in and show us their portfolios and it was also around the time when pinterest and instagram just started to fill up with content uh-huh and for me it was the first time when i discovered people 
that I really liked, like for example, Craig and Carl and Alex Trishut and Kate Moros, which are like all very um, different styles, but just to discover, oh, okay, there is this kind of job where people work in a recognizable style and you kind of know their work and they have a certain personality or a certain ideas that they work on that was uh -huh. for me somehow more interesting that this kind of anonymous graphic design that i used to do before or that you do in advertising i see yeah that makes that makes sense and what's striking about those people that you just mentioned i mean alex trochu and kate moras is that they kind of blur the boundaries between illustration design and uh art direction and all those different disciplines because they yeah. really do a lot yeah exactly yeah yeah mm. so yeah i mean they are all doing amazing work of course yeah. you just need to look at it for yeah. three seconds to know that but um yeah i was just not aware of this job of illustrators before I don't know if I w if it was just me individually who was so slow <laughs> to see this or if this job became a bit more mainstream and more visible in the last 10 years, maybe. I think it did, yeah. Yeah, I think it did because, as I said, uh, the internet, um, Instagram and Pinterest gave me a chance to really like if you saw an ad, uh, like something from an ad campaign or whatever kind of artwork that you liked, you could now find out who did it and look for more work this person made. And this was a bit new for me back then. So yeah, that inspired me to do my own illustration work. And I really just, um, actually, I think my start was pretty lucky. I had like one idea of what I could do on a vacuum graphic tablet using uh, watercolor structures in Photoshop was very different style. So I did like three or four illustrations uh -huh. and had a little PDF that I sent to, out to some magazines and got my first editorial jobs like really quick. Yeah, uh -huh. I, I instantly got editorial work. Were you um, still working at Sachi at the time or no? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. There was I was an art director for four years. And I think this happened like right when I started the job. I started okay. to also do illustrations. And I, of course I always wanted to influence uh, at Sachi every project in a way that I would do some kind of illustration for it. Yeah, I could see <laughs> and, that. Yeah. Yeah. And the fun thing is they were not even really that open to it. <laughs> they yeah. were more like, oh no, now we have this art director who wants to illustrate an advertising campaign. Uh -huh. Yeah. Now, fast forward a couple of years, they have booked me for actual advertising <laughs> campaigns since then. But yeah. um no for actual work. Um but yeah. It took I a guess bit. they they like their structure and their way of doing things where yeah. there's like a yeah. separation. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that was a big, big overlaps. Like, uh, as I said, I did first editorial jobs. And I think my second job was the cover of uh, L'Officiel, the fashion wow. magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one and with the Karl Lagerfeld on the cover Yeah, or no, yeah. no, it was Willem Dafoe. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> similar, right. uh, similar skin texture, <laughs> but it was <laughs> William Dafoe. That's funny, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, surrounded yeah, by Yeah, yeah, you did a pattern. really... 
it's kind of like a frame of, of yeah, uh, yeah. Like plants. It's a real classic, but it was right at the beginning of this 2014 flamingo trend, I uh -huh, would say. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um. So yeah, this was um one of the first bigger impact jobs that some people saw, and then right after this, I did the branding for a German ice cream brand. That uh -huh. included shop design and design of an ice cream truck and this stuff. It was super Instagrammable. Like everyone was taking photos of that truck and putting it online. And I was just really lucky, I think, to have this kind of project very early that got yeah. me some attention and ultimately enabled me to get more work and to work more on my style and I mean I think as an illustrator this is the most crucial part to get into that niche when you are asked to do more of the work and then you will just naturally um, grow and make it better yeah yeah how how did you do how how did you manage I guess working at Saatchi during the day I imagine that job had a lot of resp responsibilities and the hours were probably uh, pretty intensive. Um, how did you manage to do that and also, I guess, do things like the L'Officiel cover, which must have taken some of your time? I mean, how 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 did you do that? Well, I was an art director by day and an illustrator by night. I was working 40 to 50 hours or 60. I mean, advertising hours are crazy. Everyone knows it. It's not nine to five. No, it, okay. it never was. Okay. And yeah, I did all my illustration projects on the weekend and in the nighttime. At this time, I really worked until four in the morning, like very, very regularly and still went to, went to work at nine. <laughs> uh -huh. So yeah, I think, um, um, at this point I was really, really excited about this work. And I was really happy to get the chance to work in illustration. Like, I remember when I first started to be interested in illustration, I thought, oh, okay, I should have done this, but it's probably too late now because there uh -huh. are all these other people who studied already and are doing this for years. I think yeah. for a very long time, I thought that I wouldn't like really get there anymore, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Until I a point when you realize that you probably actually did already yeah yeah but it sounds like in the very beginning at least you were very proactive in, in sending your portfolio to uh art directors um do you do you sort of remember how you sent it like would you send an email or yeah i would send a pdf with a very short email uh-huh and sometimes i think it wasn't even very well targeted <laughs> yeah so apologies to everyone who ever received my pdf and felt it was spam it wasn't <laughs> but i mean i wasn't writing very long emails i was just writing like hey i did this kind of work would you like to do a project with me uh -huh. and it was surprisingly effective i think especially to find the first clients was pretty easy because i also didn't have so high standards and i didn't um I didn't have the uh, the rates that I have today, so yeah. it was a bit easier yeah. to work with an indie band or work with a small 
club to work on gig posters. Yeah, it yeah. was more like this um, access jobs. But then, yeah. of course, I got like advertising campaigns and bigger and bigger jobs. And at some point, I, I couldn't do both things anymore. And I, st I, I st uh, quit my job at Saatchi to become a full freelance illustrator in 2014, I think. Yeah. Uh -huh. And then I got in touch with this uh, small design studio from Berlin. It's called Goldener Westen. And they offered me creative director job for their motion design department. Really? And okay. that was also like so tempting at the moment that uh -huh. I went into the second job. <laughs> But this time it was a half-time job. So I worked half of the week as a creative director for a motion studio um, and did the other half of the week my own illustration projects. Um, Were you? Did you do motion design at the time? Or? Um, no, but I was handling all the concepts and ideas and I making see. the storyboards, talking to the clients, going on meetings, finding out what they wanted. Um, and I was illustrating pretty much all of the motion projects, though. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes okay. when my workload wouldn't allow it. We had someone else illustrating it, but for like um, three years, I kind of lent my style to most of their projects. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, there were always motion designers working with me on it. And I mean, I still do a lot of work in motion and still work with the same guys. Uh -huh. And it's just, uh, it's, it's always great to have good animators who worked with your illustrations before and really know how to make that move and to make that yeah. work because in the reality of this project it's always very helpful to have more than one person involved <laughs> if you would yeah. do all the illustration and all the animation the timings would sometimes just not be possible and yeah. this way i can still work on the images while other people are already working on the on the movements yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense um You, I mean, you have a reel on your website, actually. I imagine yeah, that's, exactly. that's the mm -hmm. sort of thing you would work on with. Yeah, yeah uh, exactly. That's a mix of music videos, um, TV spots, explainer videos. It's a show reel. Yeah. So it, at the time when you were starting freelancing, um, um, were you, did you have an established style already? Were you asking yourself questions about, about, Like, what is my recognizable thing that I'm doing or or not really? Mm, I felt for a very long time that it wasn't so recognizable. Okay. But people kept telling me <laughs> that it's recognizable. So at some point, I just gave in and started believing them. <laughs> no, I mean, in the beginning, I tried out different things. And I was drawing on Wacom's and using different textures And the shift to this vector style that I do today, it came mostly yeah. because um, the requirements of different jobs. Sometimes when you did something for a big advertising campaign, they want to have to work in vector. Yeah, actually, I remember the first vectors I did was for that ice cream brand I mentioned before. Okay. Because we wanted to print really, really big things. We wanted to print meters and meters of wallpapers and we had to wrap cars in the branding so i had to do my first vector there 
And in the beginning, it was really lim. It was. I had to find my way how to work creative in vector because it was so much different than drawing. Right. And yeah. today, this is my favorite thing to work with vectors. I mean, this is what I'm. That's what my work is about. I think. Um, uh huh. Yeah, and it became my absolute <laughs> favorite thing to work in Illustrator. Um, yeah. Do you also even do... because of the sorry, also because of the motion projects, obviously. Oh it's right, just yeah, much yeah. better for motion. I was going to ask you: Do you usually add texture? Because in some of your work, there's you know subtle textures. Do you add textures in Illustrator too, or? I add textures in Illustrator. Uh -huh. um, I do it sometimes. I mean, sometimes a client asks for it, but in general, I don't see it as much as other people see it because mm -hmm. I'm really most focused on composition and colors. Uh -huh. To use a texture, it's just like an add-on sometimes, but it's not going to rescue the work. If uh -huh. the colors and the composition and the idea of it is not great, then the textures won't do anything as well. Yeah, um, yeah I definitely went more and more um, minimalistic with my style which I think is a very common development for designers that mm -hmm. you start out doing something more complicated and then you make it easier and easier somehow. You cook I it I don't down. know if it's easier because paring things down is also tough, I think. Oh yeah, of course. It's much harder. <laughs> yeah. I mean, easier might not be the right word. It's just um, more simplistic. Yeah, yeah. Which is um, ultimately more difficult to make, yeah. Some of you... my work, I think you really don't see how much hours went in it. Yeah, yeah. But then also there are some of my works where you really couldn't guess how little hour went, hours went in it. <laughs> sometimes you can be very quick and sometimes it, it takes a while. Um, can you can you walk me through the process that you would take for, for, for approaching a project? Like, Uh, we could pick one of your projects in particular, but um, I guess generally, like, how do you uh, concept? Do you sketch a lot? Do you then jump right into Illustrator? Like, can you walk me through that a little bit? Mm, well, I'm usually talking to the clients first. I mean, a lot of my clients are in America, so there are often in my life late night phone calls uh -huh. whenever LA is ready to talk. <laughs> I'm still in the studio as well. Um, and it's, yeah, first it's talking about the project to get an idea what the client wants. And then I'm doing my sketches on the iPad, which is the, the best thing that ever happened for illust for vector artists who need to do sketches, I think. Um, do you sketch always, and procreate? Or? Yeah, I sketch and procreate. And it's just uh -huh. a very easy and fast way to do, to bring your idea across and to do something that looks similar to your final work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, usually it's just talking about the concept, showing a rough sketch, and then it goes straight to Illustrator. And um, I very often start my work in the studio. I have a studio like three blocks down my home. Uh -huh. And so, uh, very often an illustration is like 80% finished, but I can't finish it in the studio. 
I'm okay. some, somehow just get to a point where I realize, okay, I'm just going to close down my laptop now uh-huh. and call it a day. And very often I come back to it. Um, I have my laptop with me. I use it at home as well. And very often I come back to it at like 10 or 11 in the night and just do the last 20% of the work <laughs> on the small screen with the trackpad. <laughs> uh-huh. So, yeah. Where do you usually get stuck? Is it like at the end when you're like deciding the composition? I mean, the composition is pretty much done at that point, I imagine. Yeah, there is a point when you are finished, but when you're almost finished, but you don't really know if that was it. Uh-huh. And you just need a bit of space or time between mm-hmm. you and the work. Because I have to say, in all my work, I really there is always a point when you really know that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with the experience, you know when this kicks in or does not kick in. Uh-huh. <laughs> to realize like, oh yeah, that's cool. That's like, That feels fresh to the eyes, maybe. Yeah. Um, Do you find that you make big changes at that stage? Or or are there very small incremental changes that make a big difference, I guess? In my... Oh, yeah, it's... it's, That's hard to say. I can't really generalize that. Yeah. It's very difficult. Do you... So you said you sketch a lot in Procreate, but do you usually have a very tight sketch before you jump into illustrator or do you just kind of have a very loose kind of concept Mm, it depends because um sometimes the sketch is just really there to show what the idea is Uh and once you go to illustrator you just get um, sucked into exploring more possibilities of the work and i mean this is what makes the work great i think I'm not very interested in making fa- making my work fast. I mean, um, at the end of the day, I really don't care about it so much if it took one day or three, because this work is gonna <laughs> stuck with it's gonna stick with me forever. It's gonna be in my uh-huh. portfolio for many years, and a lot of people will see it. So yeah, I like I to explore a lot of things still while I'm working on the final artwork. Yeah, but you find that exploring in Illustrator really works for you, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's my absolute favorite thing. I think it's so easy and so creative. (laughs) And yeah, as I mentioned, also in my private rooms, in my private life, I have my laptop. And to go from YouTube to Illustrator, where I have 10 documents open and just (laughs) start pushing things around, it's always a very fast way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I want to talk more about, I guess, I I saw through your portfolio that you always do, you seem to always do an illustrated calendar every year. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was wondering what, what led you to do something like that? It sounds like it's more like a personal project that you're doing. I, I wanted to know what the idea was behind it when it started as well. Yeah. So basically this calendar is also one of the things that started everything for me in illustration Um, because the first calendar was my first portfolio basically really what I mentioned before I did this at my so at the risk that some of my old bosses from Saatchi hear this in this (laughs) advertising agencies you have to stick around a lot sometimes you would just have a meeting very very late in the day but there are always times when you don't have a 
when you don't have work, when you're just waiting for a feedback or for a review or whatever. Yeah. And what most people in the advertising agencies do, they are playing like PlayStation or <laughs> drinking a lot of coffee. So they're just talking to each other. And uh -huh. I started like already during my internship, I think, to just work on some illustrations. And in the end, it was 12 artworks. I made this calendar art and this was one of the first things I I sent out that attracted my first works. And then, yeah, I did this for two or three years and always printed like one between 100 and 200 and put it in my online shop and people started ordering it online. Um, and at some point I, I stopped doing them and people were writing me <laughs> if there would be a new one. <laughs> so I brought it back at some point and started to do them again. But yeah, it's it's a it's more of a fun personal thing. I mean, it's always nice to work on 12 artworks without a briefing to just yeah. see yeah. what happens. I mean, it's definitely for me the my most effective um, way to, to, to further develop my style because this client uh, client project everyone knows it you are usually working within the works that you did before because the right. clients want to have the reference of your older work i mean this calendar projects they are very often referenced as um as starting points for my other commercial work that's great and in the very beginning when you did your first one did you Did you print it out and send it to people as as a kind of marketing tool or not? Yeah, yeah. I had um I had 100 and it was back then uh, it was at some blogs and then actually people from all over the world um ordered one. I had a um I had a meeting in San Francisco earlier this year. Uh-huh. And there was a person there who said, "Oh, I bought your calendar in 2014." That's and funny. I could actually remember because there are always some calendars who go a bit further. Like this year, I had some from Australia, some orders from Australia or from uh -huh. America. But especially this one to San Francisco in 2014, I could really remember <laughs> because at this point, it was still surprising to me that uh -huh. my work traveled so far. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's the thing with the calendars. Yeah, yeah. And so is that something you usually would or you would recommend other um other artists do i guess especially when they're getting started other illustrators yeah i definitely recommend personal projects i mean you have to get i think it's very hard to be noticed in the beginning yeah and you have to find your your way of getting your work out there i mean there are different ways i mean you can do club posters or you can do a print shop or you can just be what most people do today very active on instagram but mm -hmm. you definitely have to rub it in everyone's face that yeah. yeah you have um good looking work and you want to do more of it yeah do you remember how you found i guess people to send your stuff to or i mean i imagine working in advertising you had kind of a very you had a pretty good idea of uh the types of people you wanted to work with but uh, mm, yeah i realized that like some design studios that i liked to just visit their website and look up the creative director's names but 
in general, I have to say in the beginning of my career, I was very proactive that I um, emailed people my portfolio and just lent to jobs. And today it's not like this anymore. I think the work I'm doing is like much more specialized now. Like uh -huh. earlier yeah, I was must, doing, it's more I could niche, get in, yeah. yeah, I could get in touch with an advertising agency and maybe they had a job of designing some icons or some things for websites, just like more um, designy stuff. And today it's more like the clients, um, there are, you never know who sees your work, especially with Instagram. You never know on which radars you are That's until so true. Yeah. you get the next job. Um, and of course, I'm working with agents as well. So just coming work from them as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you, um, I guess I, I wanted to know more about um, how you keep, I guess, the stress of freelancing kind of manageable because it could be very stressful. Um, do, you, do you have kind of advice about that? Mm, well, I think um, I think I'm a very happy illustrator. <laughs> I think I just don't find it very stressful um, uh -huh. because, yeah, with this kind of work, it's very easy for me to concentrate on this and it's just very easy to go to the studio every day and just yeah. do this for hours and hours. But I guess, I mean, I guess there's self-questioning sometimes. Or yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I wasn't very brave in my decision to quit my um, art direction job or to leave the world of employment for freelancing. Uh -huh. I really did both these things at the same time for as long as possible and uh -huh. just quit my job when I really did couldn't handle both things anymore but in general yeah i think when you start something like this there is a lot of um well there you just don't know if you will end up where you want to go but um yeah i think um i would encourage everyone starting a design career to be um to force themselves to be more optimistic about them than they are because it's usually it usually turns out better than you think. Yeah. Would you recommend that people do what you did? Like work, I guess, if they have an in-house job and they're freelancing at night? Or do you think that that approach um, might not be the best? I don't know. Well, for me, I mean, when I did my first illustration project, I wasn't a very experienced illustrator. Yeah. So I felt for a very long time that I, I don't know, like one day <laughs> I will meet a real illustrator and he will know I'm not a real illustrator because this uh -huh. is my third project. But at the same time, I was an art director, I was a designer, I did all these different things. And this was a very big advantage in this job to, I mean, you can't really... um um Sorry, the word doesn't come to me. <laughs> like separate? You can't really... Or? Okay, I'll start again. You can't really compare these biographies, but there might be someone who worked on his illustrations for five years before landing his first jobs. And I worked as art director for many years and then just started to do illustrations. 
But from the beginning, I kind of understood what the art directors wanted to see and how this whole project works within an agency. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Is that, would you say that is like the most important thing that came from your <coughs> background as an art director? Or are there other other things that really, I guess, that differentiate your approach to illustration? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, on the one hand, to understand this business, to understand the workflow, but also on the other hand, to to see what's interesting in your work and mm. to see where could be possibilities where this kind of work would fit. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and, and for you, it was pretty clear, I guess. I, I know recently you started working um well not recently you've done this for a while but um you started working more with musicians and doing stuff uh, for like tom york um i think hoosier too or uh, yeah tyler the creator tyler the Van creator, morrison yeah. um yeah i had some i had different jobs in music like i also did vinyl covers and a music video and this recent ones were a lot of gig posters and yeah, I mean, I I I love um, I love music. I listen to music every day when I work, and I also uh -huh. listen to like a lot of different stuff. And many of the music artists I worked for are like, especially Tyler the Creator and Tom York, are like super favorites of mine. Uh -huh. So it's just really cool to be asked for something like this, even if it's just like for a gig poster or for a merch thing it's always nice to to work for artists that you really really love yourself as well did you kind of sought those job out or, or did you did they come to you um sort of uh, they chance? all came over my american agent i'm with okay. levine levitt in america mm -hmm. and they are very good and they connected me to those jobs uh-huh. And was it that something that you expressed interest in or, or um yeah, might be. Yeah, might be that I meant. I mean, you don't have to look very hard to find uh, designers who want to work for music clients. No, yeah. <laughs> it's still I mean, the age of vinyl covers, it's a bit over. I think we missed that <laughs> a bit. I mean, sure, but there's a revival happening, I think, in that in that kind of realm. I mean, even now I mean, using Spotify, people want to see something more original, I guess. As yeah, that's covers. true. Yeah. 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 It will always be, there will always be a medium for images. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when people were um, freaking out about print dying. <laughs> yeah. And all the illustrators were scared that they can't illustrate magazines now anymore. But I think the whole uh, visual world became so much bigger with all the screens surrounding us with motion yeah. design and yeah and print also didn't didn't die i think it never died <laughs> it's yeah. still here <laughs> yeah yeah that's so True. interesting is Just there smells funny <laughs> yeah is there work that you would like to do that you haven't done yet i guess um, yeah, I really want to paint more murals. I did mm. um, some mural designs that were mostly painted on by other people. Like by oh, so you want to do the actual painting? Yeah. Yes, because I keep getting these requests and 
<laughs> at some point I should just get my hands dirty and practice more and do more murals. But uh -huh. in general, I'm really happy with the work that I uh, that was doing in recent time and I just hope to do more of it. That's a good in attitude. In the future <laughs> and not stop. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um so uh, how many how many clients do you usually have at once now? Um mm. I imagine you juggle quite a lot of projects but Well, so at the moment I'm starting with four new projects and it's two advertising campaigns, one branding and one editorial thing. And there are always weeks like the last two weeks I spent mostly with all the communication surrounding yeah. these four projects yeah. to work on the contracts and to figure out what we could do together. Uh, so this were my last last days. And now I know that I have these four projects and I will start to sit down tomorrow in the studio and just work on this. And that's usually my favorite time when you have like an actual workload that's not uh, promo or calculations when you know, okay, I'm going to be super busy in front of the computer now for a couple of weeks <laughs> yeah yeah and I, I guess we didn't talk about this but i guess also having worked in agencies you kind of might have a better understanding of how to negotiate and uh like the sort of like the process for for them quoting for them uh for you quoting for them coming back to you um, yeah yeah i think that's I think that's a real problem. At least in Germany, it feels like you don't learn this in design school. Mm. No one has an idea what the things cost. And I can imagine that a lot of people f start to work like much under their actual value. But yeah, with this advertising um, background, I knew the numbers a bit. Yeah. And yeah, I probably had some very shocked clients as well when this <laughs> when this young, very young person back then <laughs> dropped uh <-huh>. these numbers. <laughs> and it, I think is it in advertising that it's quite common for um, for agencies to kind of to kind of get multiple bids and, and pick the lowest one. I think there's an, an, there's a name for that practice, but I forget what it is. Mm. Um. It is definitely a practice to get multiple bids. Yeah. But I wouldn't say that you picked the lowest one. Oh, okay. Okay. Or at least I like to believe that the decision should always be about quality. Uh-huh. And in the end, most in most scenarios, you are open to negotiate anyways. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm giving, because I'm also doing a lot of work outside of Germany. Uh-huh. I often know that my price is too high for a German client, mm -hmm. but I'm still going to say it. <laughs> yeah, say like, yeah. This is what this would be worth to me. What's your idea of it? Mm -hmm. And I think, um, I mean, it really depends, but there is mostly a way to to get together. Like, for example, what also happened to me when a client felt like a project was overpriced. Um, we just figured out a deal where it was two projects for uh -huh. a similar, I mean, just to make it, to make it more work for me uh -huh. and less costs for one individual project for the client, kind of like a, like a 
combi deal. <laughs> that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I've never heard of that, but that's that's really smart. Yeah. Yeah. Just the guarantee of more work sometimes brings a price down, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you have any any tips about negotiation? I guess since you have quite a lot of experience in that in that kind of thing. Hmm. I mean, um, I know some people, you know, are like very specific about like, um, like not quoting first, like letting the the client name a price first, or or the opposite. Sometimes I don't know. There's like a lot of, uh, I guess, invisible practices and um, yeah. strategies that people have. Mm, I have to say that very often. My agents are negotiating prices, mm. so maybe you should get them on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am trying to this. get more agents. I had one <laughs> recently. Uh, yeah, I was, think that would be very interesting. It was very interesting. Either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, how did you, um, how did you get your agent? Like, when did it come about that you started getting represented, and and why did you um, make the decision to do well, that? I started instantly to work with agents. Okay. And I had an agent in Germany um, in the first year when I was illustrating, like um, when I was still at Saatchi. In this time already, I had a German agent and they got me some work, but they closed the agency and I realized that I was getting jobs inside of Germany anyways because uh -huh. there were some people who knew me and... So there wasn't this need to get an agent. Um, and then I was, um, I had different agents, but my um, American agent, uh, Levine Levitt, who are doing really good work, um, they contacted me. It's really funny, actually. They contacted me right the day after I quit my last uh, real job in this design studio, Goldener Westen. Uh-huh. Um, but they didn't knew that I just quit a job. It was just a complete incident <laughs> that you close one door and open another door. That's, and, yeah, that's lucky. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, I remember sending them portfolios like years before that. Okay. But apparently it took, it took a bit longer. But yeah, that was um, almost two years ago. And since then, I also started to work with Snyder in the UK. So these are my two agents now. Do, would you recommend, I mean, I know everybody is different, but I know there's a lot of people that say, oh, like, I don't have a need for an agent. But I guess when you're starting out, is that something you usually recommend that illustrators kind of look into, I guess, representation? Mm, yeah, I would say so. I mean, for me... I really, really wanted to do this work and I wanted a lot of people to see my work. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It was somehow, I always found this attractive when I saw work in big advertising campaigns to think, God, this person who did this must be so happy to have this blown up everywhere in the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and, and I think agents are more instrumental when you're working in in the commercial realm as opposed to editorial, you know. Oh, yeah, you, definitely. You yeah. might not need I mean, an agent. Yeah, yeah, you might not need one. But, um, yeah, I think there is, especially with my agent, I'm, I was in the U.S. I go there on portfolio tours. Like I go to L.A. or New York and have 15 meetings per week. Uh -huh. And that's just something that would be very, very hard to organize otherwise. 
Yeah, and it's it you can't really I mean you can ask for those meetings like but it really it usually doesn't work like that. <laughs> like Yeah, I think you can, but I would never had the idea. Yeah. <laughs> for the first years of this job this was a completely virtual thing for me. I was just emailing back and forth with people and then at some point when this started it, oh people want to see you now or people want to talk to you in a podcast or wherever i was really shocked in the beginning they had to do this now but of course it's a very i don't know it makes it makes it just more interesting this whole illustration thing has been so much more interesting for my life than i would ever had thought in the beginning <laughs> that this would be do you do you describe yourself as as an illustrator more than you describe yourself as a designer now or do you sort of see it as like, I know some people, um, I guess I would consider that a designer can be an illustrator within that. It, design is a, is a really large kind of uh, term. So, yeah, I don't know. It, but I, I always find it interesting when people, um, the way that they describe themselves, do you usually say illustrator or designer first, I guess? Mm, I say illustrator. Um, but of course, there are very different models of that mm -hmm. there are illustrators who um are more in the like people who are more like painters or uh -huh. who are drawing a lot and then of course there are all these people working on computers which makes it very designy and who work for brandings and websites and magazines that's i think the it's a very very blurry bar um very blurry border and yeah. probably every designer has been asked to do an illustration already uh-huh yeah i just think about like what makes an illustrator a designer as opposed to not a designer i guess that's kind of interesting to me mm -hmm. because the barrier seems very um permeable i guess not not very strict very firm yeah yeah but i think it's uh it became more and more like this because illustration is everywhere now. Mm -hmm. Illustration is in brandings, in restaurants, on big yeah. wallpapers. It's just, um, it became such a big part of the world. And it's often a part of how things are designed. Yeah. Um, I have one more question um, or two more questions before we, we kind of do the rapid fire little questions that I usually ask guests. But um, my first question is about your workday. I mean, we talked a little bit about, about how you would approach a project, but I guess do you keep regular hours? Mm, okay, I have to be very careful now because I've said different things about this in different interviews <laughs> because it's very dynamic. It changes all the time. Okay. Um, there are times when I go to the studio every day at the same time and leave at the same time yeah yeah and then there are times when it's just um different when i go pretty late and stay very very long um it's always dynamic and it's always adapted to the workload i have i would say i mean one thing as a freelancer that's important i think I don't get nervous anymore when I don't have work for one week. Okay. Because I always know like, okay, I will be, <laughs> I will have so much work again in probably five weeks that I 
don't even know how to manage and I can just take this day off now today. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's, it's very different and it's for me also a mix of working from home and working in the studio and meeting clients outside. Uh -huh. um, I don't really have a nine to five, I would say. Yeah. I do work a lot, but it's very much shaped around my travels and my personal life. So that's one of the biggest luxuries for me, actually. Why Why did you make the choice to have, a, a, I guess, a separate studio space as opposed to, you know, just working from home? Mm, I have a shared studio with five uh, five other people. It's um, including Robin Davy, who was on the podcast. Including Robin Davy. Uh -huh. um, it's four illustrators and one graphic designer, and it just happened that I got in touch with these people, and they had this really nice studio. And yeah, I would say it is um, it is somehow healthier and better to work in a studio with other creatives as a designer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's we do show each others our work, and it's um, just a very easy way to get feedback when you're not the only person uh -huh. in the room. And yeah, I just think it makes your daily life a bit more fun to have something like this. I was working from home for one year. I had a studio in my apartment. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are different types. I think you have to figure it out for yourself. But for me, this mix is the is the perfect thing. I mean, sometimes there is a day when I would just have to write emails, to write quotes, um, uh -huh. to make a phone call. And then sometimes on this day, I just stay home and do it on the laptop. Um, but when I really want to work, then I need my big screen and everything. And I need a studio atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. The, um, I was going to ask you if, if Robin is a good studio mate. Robin is a very good studio mate and he can sit still for a very long time. Wow, okay. I'm always impressed. <laughs> <laughs> he can sit in front of his computer and he wouldn't get up for eight hours straight. Wow, that's not good for him. You should you should probably tell him to yeah, stand Sitting up. is the new smoking, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm going to tell him tomorrow. Yeah, um, that's not the good. Thing yeah. <laughs> with my workflow is I walk a lot. I walk around a lot. <laughs> you do, okay. Yeah. Um, Especially when I'm stuck in my work, I always walk. I try to make 10,000 steps a day. Okay. So that's actually quite I'm... hard. I try to do that. And that that's a lot, actually. Yeah, it's a lot. But um, I succeed almost every day. Okay. Do you have <laughs> um, a standing desk, too, or no? No, no, I don't. But yeah. yeah. I don't know if those are really that, that great. I don't know. Yeah. But um, what I have to say about my workflow that I really, really like to take um, to give myself a lot of time. Because mm -hmm. when you work on a project that you're very passionate about and you just want to make really good work, I don't need to be finished at 6 p.m. Sometimes I don't have no plan for the evening and I just like to stay in the studio for very long. I mean, to... No one is forcing me to do that, uh -huh, <laughs> just uh -huh. to be clear. But to work long in the nights, it's a feeling that I know very, very well somehow. And I somehow really like it than when everyone else leaves the studio to stay longer. And um, once I'm, once you get in it with designing, I think it's so easy and so fun to just keep going. Uh-huh. 
that um, I sometimes have very, very long days. Yeah. Sometimes. Um, but it sounds like you take a lot of breaks as well. Like, I, I, what yeah, I'm hearing is that you give yourself, yeah, giving depends. yourself time is not like working frantically yeah, yeah. for, you know. Maybe I'm like going into it slowly with having breakfast and going for a lunch walk, but then get really started and mm -hmm, work mm -hmm. for hours until the sun comes up again. Like actually that's a, that's one of the feelings that's very familiar to me and that I live since many, many years. Yeah. To... It sounds like you really like to work during the night. <laughs> <laughs> Not always though. As I said, this whole, my whole work life, it's very dynamic. Sometimes there are phases when it's, almost nine to five ish uh -huh, uh -huh. and then it gets crazier again with the workload um but yeah i think um whatever works and ultimately i feel like i'm getting a lot of work done so mm -hmm. i'm happy with the system yeah um my last question for you is whether uh you, you could sort of speak to illustrators who are starting out today um what kind of advice would you give them? Hmm, it's very hard. It I is. think probably to not worry too much about it and to just do it. I think what often held me back is um, other people's stories about how difficult something was. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, I think that a lot of things are easier. Then you think, and the hardest part is to, to get started. So when you say that, you mean like people who say like, oh, it's it's so hard to break to break into like illustration or something like that. Yeah. yeah, for example, when you've just done one illustration project and your second one is this massive branding, this huge campaign, and someone would say, oh, how could you take this on? You're not by far not experienced enough uh -huh. to do a job this big. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these are like often outside voices. Um, but yeah, just just do it and try to do it very, very, very good. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that it's, I, I guess what I'm hearing you say also is take risks in a way. Um, mm, yes, I think I've changed a bit about that uh -huh. <laughs> like for example when i started to work in advertising i was 23 yeah and i might have faked my way into this job a tiny bit uh -huh. and today i'm more like triple checking with myself if i'm really able to do this before mm -hmm. agreeing to a project um but, but i guess in the beginning i i don't know if it necessarily hurts to to take more risks, I guess, because as you become more experienced, you kind of naturally stop taking That's so many true. risks. That's true. Yeah. In the beginning, people know that you are beginning and they might treat you a bit differently as well mm -hmm. um, than when you are a pro. But um, yeah, I also, I just think that I, I kind of have a lot of experience with the things that I do mm -hmm. for a job. So there are just not so many risks anymore. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, your 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 main advice is just to to not listen to people who are, I guess, overly negative or pessimistic about. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the main advices. Yeah, to just figure it out for yourself. And 
I don't know. I think most people I know have been surprised by how great their careers turned out. That's true. I think it's know. very yeah. rare that someone did like very, very good work and no one ever noticed it. At right. some point, someone will see it and you will get to projects that you wouldn't have thought you would ever get. Right. But but you're just to be clear, you're not saying that people shouldn't be proactive or I guess reaching out to people, sending them Oh no, portfolios. you have to be very proactive. Yeah. You have to be on Instagram all all the time. You have yeah. to post everything you do. Uh-huh. And yeah, you I think you should definitely not be too afraid to show what you did. Yeah, and to contact people, I guess directly. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I, I think that's good advice for, for today at least, because it's become very, very saturated. And and of course that doesn't mean it's impossible, but you have to be I think you have to be kind of you have to make yourself visible. Yeah, I mean, of course, as you said, it's more saturated today than ever. There there are just also way more opportunities. Exactly. On the one hand, there are more people in this business now, but it's also it's never been that easy to be seen if i would have done this job 20 years earlier i don't know if my work would have ever traveled to new york or to tokyo Uh but of course with instagram it's so easy to connect with the whole world and i had clients from yeah from very very far away so it has both the things it's uh it made it a bit harder and a bit easier yeah, I think that's right. Um, so I, I think we're almost out of time, but I wanted to uh, move on to some smaller questions. Um, I really like those questions because I usually get uh, cool recommendations for things. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, so I, I know you listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, you mentioned that before we started recording. Um, so what are some of your um, go-to podcasts? Okay, so the my recent podcasts have been some German ones that might uh-huh. not be so interesting here, but from the international podcasts, um, my dad wrote a porno is one of my absolute oh, favorite yeah. ones. I, I've seen that and I've never listened to it, but the the title intrigued me. <laughs> yeah, I recently was asked the same question at the Q and A in an advertising agency, uh-huh. and when I said this title. 30 people were looking at me in shock, but of, uh, luckily I could explain a bit better. It's this very funny podcast about one guy's dad who wrote this, um, this self-published book, uh-huh. which is like an erotic spy story. Oh, that's cool. And yeah. it's just that this, this book is so hilarious that the kids are just reading like one page per episode and just... So it's the kids of the of the guy who who wrote that. Well, it's three guys, and one of them is the son, and the other one are two friends. But they are basically reading this one guy's dad's pornography, and it's just so hilarious that this <laughs> is the funny. whole podcast. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I I will definitely try that one out. Yeah, yeah, I think it's one of the the most mainstream successful podcasts that has existed. Really? Yeah, I think a lot. Yeah, I think they are super big. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any other podcasts that you listen to regularly? I Um, I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. Uh And yeah, but um, again, then some German German things. More German than American. Because true crime is huge in 
in the yeah, US of course, right now. I listen to my favorite murder as well. Uh-huh. It's an American one. There's one um, that I recently started listening to. That's uh, it's. I guess it's not really a true crime, but it's about scams um, and and cons. It's called mm-hmm. Scam Goddess. She's quite funny. I I actually recommend that one. It's it's really good. Mm, cool. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. look into that. Yeah, it's less about like I guess murders and all that stuff, but it, it's still about crime in a way. Um, mm-hmm. Just just a more but not benign, but <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I wanted to know if you could talk about a which artists I guess uh, inspire you. It could mm. be artists that are living today or not, um, depending on on where you want to take it. Hmm. Um, I think as a child, I was obsessed with Keith Haring. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think that was also the 90s when this was very popular again. No, I think um, I think there's something about his his work. I personally, as a child, I also really liked it. I think there's something that really appeals to children also in his work. Of course, it's it's lovely work even as an adult, but I think children are able to appreciate it in a way. Like a lot of pop artists also are... Yeah, just yeah. very attractive to children in particular. Yeah, I was uh, redrawing Keith Haring things uh-huh. and manga, anime things. That's how I started to be creative, I think. Um, but in general, um, there are so many people on the radar today. Uh-huh. I think I follow 2,000 accounts on Instagram. <laughs> and I just see amazing work from so many corners that uh-huh. um it's very hard to single people out yeah um i i wanted to know since you worked in fashion i know you didn't ultimately choose to be to to stay in that uh universe but i wanted to know if there are uh, fashion brands you admire and you're still interested in and i guess mm, the thing about fashion is that i I appreciate it more as a total mm-hmm. than for liking specific labels. Yeah. I yeah. just, I like it in a way similar to graphic design to observe whatever is happening there. There are always new trends and new colors. And I mean, that's that's the same in, in illustration as well. There are always new things happening and... um I like to observe that and see a pattern in it sometimes. Yeah. That do you makes still, sense. I guess, do you still pay attention to things like the, the fashion week shows and all that stuff? Not really anymore. Yeah, of course, not as intensive as I used to do when I was um, professionally involved in it. Yeah. But I I do know what the Kardashians are wearing at the moment and what <laughs> Cardi B was wearing in the last music video uh-huh. and what's going on in Paris. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I kind of have a sense about it. And yeah, I mean, I always find points where the fashion world is influencing the graphic design world yeah. and the other way around. For example... um, Billie Eilish, the singer, Mm -hmm. was working so much with like neon green outfits and neon green. I think she had her roots dyed neon green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I realized more than once that I saw a magazine cover with Billie Eilish on it and they printed the cover in neon green Pantone color. Uh uh (laughs) 
And just alone, this shows how a fashion trend is also able to influence the graphic design. Yeah, yeah. Someone has made neon green to their like new statement color and then all the graphic design around it, neon. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Um, I guess I have one or two questions left. One is, what's your favorite way to uh, to unwind and, and relax? My favorite thing after work is to walk home and go to, to actually I meet friends for dinner every night. Okay. I like to yeah. go to one of my 100 favorite restaurants here in the neighborhood and have dinner and go home and watch Netflix like every yeah. other person in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Do, do you still live in, you live in Kreuzberg or? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 My um, world is very tiny in this way. I live in Kreuzberg and my studio is um, some um, some meters down the street. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's it's a neighborhood that a lot of creatives really like, I guess. Uh, yeah, I yeah. I yeah. think probably 50% of the illustrators in Europe live <laughs> within 10 kilometers of me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, and my last question is, what's the, what's your favorite thing about what you do? What's the thing that really gets you excited? The favorite thing about what I do today um is first a very selfish reason that I really enjoy this work and I get paid to do it. And yeah. <laughs> um, I it, the first reason is the fun of creating it. And I love that I do work that people somehow can connect with. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. I mean, it doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen every once in a while that you get a very nice DM on Instagram from someone telling you that he discovered your work at some point and was really inspired. Yeah. And now they are illustrators themselves or they study graphic design. Um, just because this is the first, I was also in this role. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I wasn't an illustrator yet that I discovered the work of other people that inspired me to do the same. So I think that's like a nice moment when this comes back to you. And yeah, I think that people, that a lot of people in the world have seen my work and a lot of people like it. It does mean, does mean something to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Daniel, it was, it was, it was really great talking to you. Um, and thank you so much for, for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much. It was fun. And that was my conversation with Daniel Ramirez Perez. Um, as always, uh, please check out the show notes for this episode, which will be at illustrationhour.com forward slash Perez. Also, if you want to snatch a copy of Daniel's 2020 calendar for yourself, then hurry up and check out Daniel's shop. I will be linking that in the show notes below. And um, just a reminder that uh, I will be going on break from the podcast for the entire month of December. So I will see you next year on the Illustration Hour. As always, the newsletter will continue. Uh, So I have a weekly newsletter called Art Club, and you can find out more about that on illustrationhour.com forward slash newsletter. That will still be going on during the break. So thank you so much for tuning in and see you next year.